1: All right, I want to give a shout-out to our friends over at the Ben Hogan Golf Equipment Company. When Ben Hogan founded his company in 1953, his mission was to make the finest golf equipment in the world. That remains their mission today. They forge every club they make to provide the feel and feedback investment clubs simply can't provide. And their craftsmen micromanufacture each club to your exacting specifications in their Fort Worth, Texas factory. You're only going to find Ben Hogan Golf Equipment at BenHoganGolf.com Visit them online today to learn about their great products and their great prices. And folks, this segment of the show is brought to you by our friends over at the PGA Tour Superstore.
2: This segment of the show is brought to you by the PGA Tour Superstore. See why golfers everywhere are proud to call PGA Tour Superstore their golf pro shop. Visit them online at PGATourSuperstore.com. Now back to Chris and more of the show.
1: All right, and keeping the Maryland theme going tonight, because now Back in making his ninth appearance with me here on Next on the Tee is one of my all-time favorites, and that's Donnie Hammond. Let me remind you about Donnie's background. He was born in Frederick, Maryland, so there you go, which is uh, the northern part of the state near the Virginia and West Virginia borders. Played his college golf at, the, at uh, Jacksonville University, where he was a four-year letterman. As a sophomore, he finished seventh in the 1977 Sun Belt Championship, and then as a senior, he won that tournament by six strokes. He would go on to lead Jacksonville University to Tucson Belt Conference Championships. He's a charter member of the Jacksonville University Sports Hall of Fame. Donnie earned his tour card by being the medalist at the 1982 PGA Tour qualifying tournament at TPC Sawgrass. And get this, folks, winning that tournament by 14 strokes. He played on the PGA Tour from 1983 to 1988, won twice on the regular tour at the 86 Bob Hope Chrysler Classic in the '89 Texas Open, where he came within one stroke of the all-time scoring record after shooting four-round t- a four-round total of 258 at Oak Hill. He won once on what was then the Buy.com Tour, we know it now as the Corn Ferry Tour, it's the 2000 Lakeland Classic, and he also won the 1982 Florida Open. And over the course of his career, he's had 42 top-10 finishes and 126 top 25 and I'm very honored he is back with me again tonight here on Next on the Tee. Hey Donnie, how are you, my friend?
2: Doing great, Chris. How you doing up there? Good?
1: Ah good, thank you. How are things down in
2: Orlando? Yeah, the weather's been great. Um, golf weather. We're able to play a little bit down here. There's not really lockdowns on the golf course as long as you you know, everybody gets their own cart. Gotta stay away. You don't you know, you don't have to get into the cup to grab the ball. So been able to get out and play a little bit, get some exercise, mostly biking and swimming a little bit, but it's uh yeah, it's not bad considering uh, the rest of the country, what everybody's going through. Mm-hmm.
1: And Don, I kind of wanted to get to your thoughts. You're talking about, you know, some of the, the things that uh, golf courses are doing so that people aren't touching things. You know, don't touch the flag, no ball on the cup, you know, no ball washers, all that sort of thing. But, you know, taking that up a notch to to the PGA Tour, would you, when they get started back in June, would you be concerned at all? Because even without fans, I, I, was, I was starting to think about this. With even with no fans, if you've got a field that starts out with hundred forty, hundred fifty guys, you got another, you know, caddy for everybody. You got your coaches. You got everybody that's, you know, there from a, a volunteer standpoint. You got officials. Probably got four or five hundred people on the golf course and doing stuff. Would you have any pause about, you know, hey, there's a lot of folks here touching things and all that sort of thing. How would you feel about playing in a, in a tour event?
2: Well, it's kind of a, you know, you kind of have to balance it as a tour player on how how much you really need to play in the tournaments because now with less tournaments, you're going to have less chances to, you know, keep your card, get in the top 30, get into the FedEx Cup. Uh, I think what it's going to come down to is the PGA Tour going to be able to have a safe environment out there. I, read, I was reading something actually just today that said they're trying to get a million tests for the rest of the year so that they can test all the volunteers, the pros, the caddies. If if everyone, you know, has gone through tests and they feel pretty confident that, you know, the caddies are clear, the pros, the volunteers, that it's a pretty safe environment, it's not as tricky as if you don't know. You know, like you're walking around now, you have no idea around the country uh, who might have it, who already had it and has recovered from COVID. Uh, but, you know, that's what they're going to have to get together. And it's coming up now. They have a a month or so to, you know, to be able to figure out how they're going to test everyone. That's going to be the key. If you can have the confidence that you're in a safe environment, you still have to get to the tournaments and, you know, you're going to be running into a lot of people going to the range, going to the clubhouse in scoring, standing on the key around the other players and the, the caddies and the scores, so it, it's going to be tricky. But you know, if they get the testing and and have it where everyone's pretty much clear, that would take care of eighty percent of of your worries, I think.
1: And talk about playing a tournament with with no fans, you know, no noise, no cheers, no roars, no clapping, no nothing. It's you know, you and the other guys out there playing just like you would be playing any on any course anywhere. Is that going to be weird? That was my whole career,
2: Chris. I hardly ever had fans it'd be easy for me. Well, I did get in the hunt a few times and then there'd be people there standing around the tee and I'm like what are the what what's everybody doing out here? Um that's right I'm in third place but you know 90% of the time you don't have a lot of fans out there watching so but it would be it would be a distraction because you know you're used to seeing 20 30 40, 000 people out on the golf course so you go make a 35 footer on a hole for Eagle and your caddy's the only one that's kind of making any bit of a noise, you know? So that's, uh, that's going to be an adjustment for the guys. Uh, I guess they're going to try that the first four tournaments and then, you know, see how that goes. So, but that, that will be, that'll be a, a slight adjustment for the pros, but it'll be interesting for TV too, to, to look out on the golf course and see no fans.
1: Yeah. So, uh, no, you know, Donnie, that I'm, I'm a huge fan of the Masters. You and I have talked about the Masters many times and, and the times that you played there and the 86 Masters and all of that. But if we, if this thing were to come back around a little bit in the fall and now we're we're watching a Masters with no patrons and no roars on the back nine, it just wouldn't seem like a ma- – I mean, how odd would Masters be with without the patrons, no blooms, Bermuda grass? I don't know. It's going to lose something for me to get, get involved, trying to you know be excited as I always am about the Masters, where there's dead quiet, no color. You know, what, it what would, do you think about it a would Masters be a, like?
2: Be a huge asterisk on the tournament. Someone could win. Is still going to win the green jacket. There's going to be a great excitement watching the tournament. But imagine walking down by 16 by the tee there, you know, up toward the green and not have have it surrounded with people over there to the left of the lake and behind the green uh, on the first tee where it seems like you can barely get a backswing without hitting someone because it's so tight there on the first tee, at least it used to be. Uh, But that would be, uh, that would really look funny on TV to to see that down around 16, 17 and 18.
1: How differently do you think the golf course would just even play? Let's take, let's take the patrons and everything else side. I had uh, John Patrick of uh, the Augusta Golf Show on with me a couple of weeks ago, and he said uh, that the uh, fairways are going to be Bermuda grass, not the ryegrass we're we're used to seeing. It's going to be colder. The sun's going to be in a different place than than they're used used to it being in. How much different do you think the course itself is going to play from what we're used to seeing in April?
2: I think the um, I think the colors are going to be different. I think playability. They're probably going to be able to work the moisture on the golf course a little bit to where it plays similar, you know, as they do in the, in the spring Um, the green should be perfect, but I think even a bigger adjustment is going to be the weather because you're going to have mornings there that could get really chilly. Uh, The humidity is going to be different uh, toward the, uh, toward the fall. So, you know, the lighting, the days is going to be different. So it's going to be a different feel for, what you're used to, where the shadows are at certain times of the day, when you're keying off uh, different holes, so it'll be um, it'll be it'll be a lot different with the weather and and of course the conditions of the fairways and the greens.
1: And Donnie, kind of keeping with our Maryland theme of the night, uh, you posted a couple of days ago that you and Lee Elder, who was the you know first African American to qualify for the Masters, you guys referred to each other as the connection. Since you guys are both from Maryland, talk about your uh, relationship with Lee.
2: I remember Lee back, uh, I I was a junior golfer and I went to a tournament in Ohio. It was a national tournament. I ran into Lee there and I told him I was from Maryland. So we started uh, a relationship back when I was about 17 years old. And then uh, I got out on tour in 82 and Lee was kind of still playing a little bit, but I think he was on the champions tour by then. Uh, But we would see each other at different pro-ams and, you know, some tournaments here and there on the PGA tour, but he would always call me connection. And then of course I would call him connection back. So he was connection and I was connection, but he had a a really great charity event up there in Maryland for a bunch of years and had a lot of the top players come in. Uh, Jack Nicklaus would come in and Hale Irwin and a lot of his friends from the tour would come in and, and I really got exposed to, you know, what a big thing that pros can do for charities uh, around the country. And uh, Lee had a really nice one, and uh, I got to play in it a few times. Uh, but he he's just a great personality, great player, had had a really unique swing where he had a real funny follow-through, He kind of twirled the club through a little bit, but really a good ball striker, and, uh, you know, he's been a friend for a long time.
1: Did you guys ever talk about the struggles and things that he went through trying to get into the Masters and playing in the in the Masters being the first African-American?
2: No, I, n- I never really talked to Lee much about that. I've talked to, you know, Jim Thorpe about, you know, the things he had to go through coming up at country clubs and things and, you know, how it was tough to, um, you know, you didn't have some of the benefits that some of the other pros might have been able to have um, certain parts of the country. But uh, I never really talked to Lee too much about that. But it's um, it's a big part of the game that, um, you know, the way the the um, hospitality has grown for the for the pros. And, you know, I mean, the black pros weren't even allowed to play the Masters for a while. And then, you know, you had to have the caddies and then they started bringing in where you could bring your own caddy. That was a big change. But uh, it's been a big um, been some big changes over the years.
1: Also recently posted a a picture of Mr. Palmer. You had an opportunity to play a practice uh, round of nine holes with Mr. Palmer. I believe that was back in 86. Well, what was it like getting to play a practice round with the King?
2: Yeah, that was something I was getting ready to go home and was standing on the green, hitting a few more putts and Arnold came off the ninth green and looked over and I'd played Bay Hill that year. I, I got an exemption. And so I knew Arnold a little bit and he, said hey kid you want to play the back and so we um just the two of us went out and played the back nine together and he he was really helpful he showed me a lot of the you know a lot of the lines off the tees and where the pins were going to be and you know we had a nice leisurely uh nine holes there at augusta in the evening there's hardly anybody around and uh he still hit the ball pretty well i thought thought he'd have a good chance of making the cut and you know competing and stuff but he he really took his time to to kind of help me which was my first year there and and uh, ended up, you know, it did help me a lot. I was there in second place going into the last round and had a chance to win. So it uh, it was a big help for me.
1: I want to talk about life on the PGA Tour. I think so many of us just picture it being a, a very glamorous life and you're traveling first class and going from town to town and staying in great hotels and playing golf for a living. And I, I think we we've got this image of it being very luxurious life. In my head, from talking to to you and and several of the guys, it it seems like it's a little bit of that, but is there's, there's a lot that people don't see the grind of of having to go from town to town, the, all the golf balls and all the practice and and all those sorts of things. Talk about what life on the PGA Tour is like that we don't see.
2: I mean, overall, it was it was a great life uh, to be able to do something that you you know, as a kid, you thought you wanted to do for a living to be able to compete and, you know, do something that you love to do. So, uh, it was never seemed like a job really until after 20 or 25 years, maybe it would, you know, you'd kind of have to nudge yourself a little bit to practice as much as you needed to. But for a long time, it was, um uh, it was just so much fun. It was it, competitive though. I mean, you gotta, you got to get breaks. You have to be lucky. You have to have talent. You have to have help along the way. And then you have to be able to stay out on tour, where if you can keep your card and play the first couple of years, then you can maybe stretch it out for 10, 15, 20 years once you get through those first couple of years. But, you know, the great things about playing the tour were, you know, some of the best courses in the country, like Pebble Beach or Muirfield Village, Riviera, Westchester. Congressional, uh, Doral. And then the favorite part for me was actually on the driving range, being able to get to the range and you're hitting brand new titlists or Callaway's, whatever you wanted. They had them right there Pro VX's, Pro V, the black ball. Uh, and you're standing there hitting balls with Greg Norman or, uh, you know, Hale Irwin's over there, Craig Stavler, Curtis Strange. And you're just standing there thinking, what am I doing here? But I happen to have a name, you know, a golf bag with my name on it. So I guess I guess this is where I'm supposed to be. So you know that was the really fun part. And then of course being able to have some success too, where you're able to compete with the guys, and then eventually win a couple of tournaments was kind of the icing on the cake. But you know there, there were sacrifices that that you have to go through. You miss your family for a couple of weeks at a time, pending you know, how often they would travel with you. So that was the the tough part is, you know, two weeks at a time. I usually tried to go no more than two weeks before I would at least go home for a week or so. Uh, But mostly it was, you know, it was a great life. You get to meet a lot of really cool people in the game of golf and play with, you know, baseball players and play with some actors and just a bunch of uh, successful people along the way. And, you know, everybody seemed to be in a good mood on the tour when you're out there during the tournament. A lot of people were you know kind of rooting for you and you know wanting you to do well and the players you know everybody was pretty friendly you know people, we helped each other you know with your swing or you helped each other with different issues that you might have so it was uh it was a nice environment really for a long time
1: and Donnie, i I sort of also picture it's it's the same guys week after week that uh you're playing with and you're hanging out with kind of almost like a traveling show. You're just going to see the same guys next week. Hey, I'll see you. You know, I'll see you there on Monday. I'll see you tomorrow.
2: Yeah, you you, you see, you're right. You're exactly right. You see a bunch of the same faces and it, and it would get to the point where you're such good friends with everybody that after a while you're just making fun of everybody else about certain things that you did, certain shots that you hit, what you're working on with your swing. I mean, it would get to that point where everybody was kind of needling everybody else, and that's when it really got to be fun. You know, Payne Stewart was probably the best as far as that would go, as far as, you know, needling everybody and uh, had funny things to say. But uh, that that was a cool part of it. You really had to be quick out there because the guys were pretty smart and they were pretty good at it. So you had to pick up a lot of tricks along the way to keep up with them.
1: Donnie, just one more before I let you go. And and I read on your PGA Tour profile that the Baltimore Colts are to thank, you know, for your golf career because you and your father would go watch them practice, and then you'd go play nine holes at a golf course. Talk about how that got you started.
2: Yeah, that was the start. I mean, I, I think probably eighty percent of the pros started out playing with their dad. They would, you know, ride around the cart or follow them or pick up a club when they were four or five or eight years old. I was thirteen, so I started a little late. But what my dad would do, we would go to down to Westminster in Maryland, and we'd play this little golf course there. We'd usually play nine holes and then we'd go over to watch the Baltimore Colts practice. And that was when uh Don Shula was a coach, Johnny Uninas, um, Bob Mackey, Raymond Barry. I mean, they had a great team, great uniforms too. Remember the helmet with a with little horseshoe on it, white, mostly a white uniform. They had a great uniform, and you know, we could hang out with the guys back then. There were only maybe two or three reporters at practice, very few fans, and we, after practice, we'd throw the ball around with Don Shula and Johnny and Inos actually threw me a couple, I think, at one time, and wow, it was, uh, it was like a, you know, they were kind of like a family too. It was, it was a lot more low key back then than than it is these days but uh but i look forward to the you know seeing the colts and watching the football thing as much as playing the playing golf but then i started getting a little better at the game and you know i was i just wanted to be on the course all the time after that it was you know as, as much as i could be out there it was it was a joy
1: so donnie what's uh what's up with spacex what's the next launch what are you looking forward to uh to seeing from those guys
2: I guess the big one, the man launched next uh, next month. They've, they're doing testing. I think things are looking pretty good. They've, they've had some successful tests. I went down last week for the last one they did that they launched up a bunch of satellites, took my beagle down to the beach and we got there a little early and we actually came back to the house before they even launched because we were down there for three hours already. He was, the dog seemed to be getting bored a little bit and I had another couple hours till the launch. So we came back and watched it in the front yard. But uh, I think the manned launch is going to be next month. That's going to be the big one. I'll probably go down for that. That'll be exciting to watch. To you know, the first yes. time to launch, you know, astronauts from the U.S. in quite a while. So.
1: Well, Donnie, before I let you go, remind our listeners how can they stay up to date with what you're doing and follow you, whether it's online or on social media.
2: Yeah, I'm helping. I'm helping at this really cool company here in Orlando, T. T. D. J. Golf tdj golf they do a it's like an online platform where you can you can pair your scores that you play and you can pick some pros when they start doing the tournaments and it's kind of like a little gambling game and the club can you know they can operate it it's it's on the um it's on your phone and they keep up with the scoring and everything i've been helping them a little bit that's going to be pretty exciting this year it's starting to take off and and it's 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 a pretty fun event for uh, for the clubs to run. So I've been helping them with that, and just playing a little bit, trying to keep my game in shape in case uh in case I go out for some qualifiers this summer on the Champions Tour.
1: Well, Donnie, always a blast having you part of the show, my friend. I can't thank you enough for taking time out of your night to come back and join me. You're always a lot of fun.
2: It's great talking to you, Chris. I love I love your show. I appreciate you very much, Donnie.
1: Stay safe, my friend. All the best to you and your family. Look forward to catching up with you again soon.
2: Thanks. I'll send you some videos
1: from the launch. Yeah, thank you. See you, okay. Donnie. All right. Bye-bye. The great Donnie Hammond, and you can follow him online. He's on uh, he's on social media at Donnie Hammond and doing some great things with a new company, TDJ Golf. Check that out as well. Looking forward to catching up with Donnie again soon.
0: This morning in the Atlanta airport, no one's missing a meal on Matt Wilburn's watch. With 11 restaurants to serve passengers, he's got dining for every destination. And it all started when Mac talked with First Horizon Bank about opening a franchise in the airport. Now it's open for business and cleared for takeoff. First Horizon Bank, let's find a way. Go to firsthorizon.com Mac. First Horizon Bank, member FDIC.
2: The fan is ready for brave season. Are you? 3-1, smoked high in the air